This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Wednesday afternoon, May 31st. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Almost half of all students who borrow money to go to college graduate with some debt. We'll discuss eliminating it and building wealth in our next segment. But right now, the April report on job openings contains some surprising numbers. We're joined by Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst at Bank bankrate.com in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Greg, thank you for joining us today. We're talking about the JOLTS report, and this did provide a jolt to uh, analysts looking at the labor market. It sure did, Rob. The expectation was that, you know, all these rate hikes were going to cool the labor market and that we continued to see a decline in the number of job openings. We'd seen that in the past couple of months, but then a sharp reversal, of course, back above that 10 million open jobs mark, uh, 10.1 million open jobs, uh, much higher than forecast, uh, and again, erasing a couple of months worth of progress. And so this is definitely good news. The labor market is very, very strong. We're going to get more data on the labor market at the end of the week, but it comes at a cost. And that cost is that the Fed is taking a much more aggressive tone and it's looking increasingly likely that they're going to have to boost interest rates again at their meeting in June. Yeah. How does that uh, complicate the, uh, the, the the manner of thinking for the Federal Reserve? Because uh, it's is it really just the sheer number of jobs creating inflation pressure or is it uh, how much those new Newly employed people are making. It's a combination of uh, the open jobs relative to the number of unemployed workers, and then by extension, what does that mean in terms of of wages? And with that 10.1 million open jobs, that works out to about 1.8 open jobs per unemployed worker, and that's a number that Fed Chair Powell has specifically pointed to as indicative of a hot labor market and something that they want to see come down before they'd be comfortable moving to the sidelines. And on top of that, it's not just the sheer number of openings, it's the people who are quitting their jobs because they can see the grass and potentially it could be greener on the other side of the fence and uh, they're, they, they, they are confident in their own prospects that, uh, that they can jump from one job to the other. And uh, yeah, we saw, you know, I think strong indicators really on multiple fronts, the open jobs, the, you know, the people that are comfortable quitting jobs. We also saw fewer layoffs and discharges indicative of businesses that are hanging on to workers. And we saw increased job openings at large and small employers alike. So, yeah, you know, this wasn't a flash in the pan. 
it was really solid uh, indicators of, of labor market strength across the board. And, and there's been a great deal of discussion and predictions about uh, the possibility of an economic downturn or a, or a recession showing up uh, later this year, maybe next year. But it seems like the job market is the engine that's keeping the economy going. Other sectors may be slowing down, but uh, uh, the, the job market is basically the Corvette engine keeping the economy going. It certainly is. You know, that expectation or forecast for an economic slowdown or recession, it just sort of keeps getting pushed out, pushed out, pushed out because of the ongoing strength of the labor market. Uh, People have jobs. They're spending money. They're spending it a little bit differently, but they're still spending it, and that's powering the economy. Does that also mean that uh, if the economy does slow down later this year or next year, those predictions actually come true? We may not see mass layoffs. We just could see some of those millions of jobs simply go unfilled. I think that's the hopeful scenario. I think, you know, what we've already seen some indications, even in the months where those job openings were declining, it was a lot of employers that, you know, they had an open spot for months on end. They hadn't filled it. They just put it on the shelf. Well, maybe we'll just leave that one unfilled. Uh, and so it, I think seeing that come down doesn't necessarily man, in, indicate layoffs as much as it's just employers recognizing that there's certain positions they haven't been able to fill and they might not be able to. Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst, Bankrate.com in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, helping college graduates get off on the financial right foot. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM noon business hour it's personal finance wednesday and in this segment we're putting a focus on building wealth as people enter the workforce we're joined by shane gornick partner and certified financial planner at forefront financial planning based in downers grove the website preparemyretirement.com shane thank you for joining us today and i'm having flashbacks to 21 years ago may of 2002 in the process of cleaning out my college apartment after graduating from marquette uh entering the working world and the choices you have to make once you have that first uh, that first full time for real grown up adult job, and that means you got to make some uh, uh, some decisions about your financial future at 22 uh, that can certainly add up later in life. So, what are some of the biggies right out of the gate? Uh, thanks, Robin. And one of the biggies is wanting to t- to take an inventory of debt. You know, a lot of people graduate with. Uh, student loan debt. Uh, They may have credit card debt that they accumulated while they were in college. And now that it's kind of into the real world, into reality, we want to take an inventory of what's there. Not a lot of people are familiar with their credit score or their credit profile in general. And you can go to annualcreditreport.com, not to be confused with the free credit report with the guys playing the guitars, but the annualcreditreport.com gives you one time per year a chance to check all three of the credit bureau profiles. And, and uh, that way you can see a full actual report of what you owe and who you owe it to. And that's a very good point about credit card debt, because uh, this was certainly in vogue uh, in the 90s and early 2000s on college campuses where people would sign up for a zillion credit cards because there would be the tent with the guy giving away the free T-shirts. And then it was just basically free money at the bar if you were of age uh, at other places. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm carrying a balance at 20% interest and that's really hard to get out of. Yeah, just a little. And it's and it's and it's if there are bad things that happened previously, it's a great time to try to take steps to rectify them if you accumulated a lot of debt. 
it's a great opportunity to, to take a look now that you have income coming in. You know, as a college student, you're used to having very little cash flow. Uh, then you go to a regular working job, and while it might not be a high salary, it's certainly higher than most of us get while in college. Uh, so it's a great time to look at that. Also, if you don't have credit yet at that time, it's a great time to start uh, applying for a credit card. Uh, building a timeline of good credit history uh, is a big part in terms of your credit profile for when you might want to buy a house, buy a house or uh, rent a rent property or anything like that. Uh, so it's it's something that we recommend getting off to a good start with. And then you get your uh, the first job in your professional journey, and they walk you through all of your benefits. And then you they, you get to the point where you can elect to uh, sock away a certain amount of money into your four hundred one k. And then you see that at the age of twenty two, and think to yourself. Do I need this now? I can I can really use the money today as opposed to 45 years down the road. And even if you, you know, delay contributing to a 401k, how does that cost you down the road? It costs you a lot, Robin, and that, that that's a really good point that you brought up. It's not so much what you're putting away, it's how soon you're putting it away. Now, if you can put away a higher amount and do it soon, that's great. Uh, but just to delaying it by even 10 years of when you're going to start contributing can mean having, you know, sometimes half of what you might've had previously. So big, big priority to make sure that you can save what you can. And the thing is, if you're used to not living off of a lot of money, especially if you're coming right out of college, it's a great time to not allow lifestyle creep to come into play where basically as your income increases, so do your expenses. Uh, So if uh, starting off right off the gate, if you get in a minimum, maximize the match available at your employer, uh, and uh, if possible, do even more than that and get to the maximum, uh, then obviously that would be ideal. Uh, but c- certainly the more and the sooner, uh, much, much better circumstances. I've never had a client at 65 say, I wish I hadn't saved so much uh, right out of school. Shane uh, Gornick. Shane Gornick, partner and certified financial planner at Forefront Financial Planning in Downers Grove. The website, preparemyretirement.com. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, a tech entrepreneur looks to the past for an air transportation project. Debit and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Google co-founder Sergey Brin is looking back to the era of airships for a future project. Let's get the latest from Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University, based in Chicago. Joe, thank you for joining us today. The era of the Zeppelin. A hundred years ago, these large, majestic airships carried people and cargo across the Atlantic, but that era came crashing down, quite literally, in Lakehurst, New Jersey, 1937, when the Hindenburg caught fire and crashed. The account of the disaster, of course, captured by Herb Moore of WLS Radio uh, at the time. His uh, commentary, Oh, the Humanity, stays with us to this very day. But uh, about 90 years have passed since then, Joe, and maybe it's time for the airship to get a second look. Yeah, there's been some rumblings about this for some time. You're right. We all remember seeing that Hindenburg footage, and it sort of disappeared from the mainstream. But, you know, what's this, the push for sustainable movements and uh, uh new technologies. We're really seeing two companies really making a push for this, and there's just a lot of optimism in the sector right now. And uh, uh, you said it right, uh, one company, uh, LTA, lighter-than-air uh, technology, 
uh, by a Google co-founder is it got big plans to so-called darken the skies with these uh, uh, dirigibles, uh, airships, and they're up to 200 meters long. So there's a lot of advantages of this technology, particularly for the movement of freight. Now, I've heard many stories over the years about how the airship is going to have its renaissance. This is the transportation technology of the future, and uh, it's going to get a second look, especially as we talk about sustainable and carbon zero technology. Um, how can you, and I guess this is a question the founders left to answer and that is how can they carry cargo across across oceans at scale i'm sure they could beat a a, a freighter uh when it comes to speed but you can put more stuff on the ocean going freighter than you can on the airship yeah it's really uh, exactly right but it's remarkable this new technology I and mean, people see uh the airship they think of like the goodyear blimp which has a very small gondola on the bottom with a propeller on the gondola. These are actually airships that have an internal structure. So they're not just big balloons. They actually have, you know, sort of a fitted uh, uh, cage for the different uh, helium or hydrogen, whatever technology they use. So they're strong enough. You can carry things like blades for turbines. Uh, imagine how heavy those are. Uh, construction materials, uh, lots of uh, bulk movements to places where they don't have uh, necessarily an airport right there. And so you can land these uh, on a field uh, without uh, a lot of infrastructure. So there's a lot of uh, potential uses for this. Of course, it's not going to replace barges and trains, but but it's uh, it's a new way to get stuff uh, to areas without a big investment in roads and airports. And the big difference uh, between the Graf Zeppelin and the Hindenburg is, you know, they they were. Uh, held aloft by hydrogen uh these will be uh helium will be the uh, the, the lifting lighter than air gas but uh, very quickly it's it, it would be you, you, you some there is some existing zeppelin infrastructure out there i mean you could theoretically still uh tie up an airship to the spire of the empire state building it would be nice to see that technology finally get paid off it is, it is hard to uh Picture that the big dreams in the 30s for having uh, you know zeppelin stations all over cities, uh, and I think the uh, there is some talk of passenger transport here too that uh, the cabins could carry a couple hundred people, and the speeds can be you know not as fast as a jet plane but but uh, well over say 100 miles per hour, but uh, but for freight it really would be the sweet spot and you can picture the technology now. I mean, helium is very explosive. Uh, there's some thought, though, it's cheap. You could perhaps do it safely. Uh, but, the, you know, the Google co-founder here with LTA and Flying Whales, I mean, they're getting ready to uh, uh, unveil final plans for these. And, and we're seeing on the carbon footprint is so minimal when you use these. In some cases, even the wind can uh, transport uh, you along the way. So, uh, you know, the proof is going to be in the pudding. If there's any safety risks, this could be set back. But, boy, the investment capital is flowing, and it's fun to see. Joe Schwederman, thanks for joining us today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. 
Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The debt ceiling deal hammered out by President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy moves to the full U.S. House. A man from Michigan will serve prison time for his illegal charter boat business on waterways in Chicago. In Personal Finance Wednesday, help in making finances part of a healthy relationship and also on the financial front, weighing the true value of home improvement projects. WBBM Business the markets are lower. The Dow down 190 points. The Nasdaq is down 64. And the S&P 500 is down 25. 87 degrees right now in Chicago under partly sunny skies. At 1231, topping our news at the half hour, the bipartisan agreement to raise the debt ceiling and limit government spending is moving forward after advancing out of committee. The latest from CBS News correspondent Nicole Killian. The debt limit bill heads to the House floor after clearing a critical procedural vote Tuesday. The House Rules Committee voted 7-6 to advance the Fiscal Responsibility Act. It would raise the nation's borrowing limit through early 2025 in exchange for spending caps. The Congressional Budget Office estimates it reduces projected deficits by $1.5 trillion over the next decade. GOP leaders call it the largest deficit reduction package in history. If it passes the House, it'll go to the Senate, which has to take it up before June 5th, when the U.S. could run out of money to pay its bills. Nicole Killian. CBS News, Washington. A boat owner has been sentenced to a year in federal prison for conducting illegal charter operations on the Chicago River and Lake Michigan. Prosecutors say Christopher Garbowski of Sterling Heights, Michigan, used a 40-foot powerboat known as the Seahawk and Anchorman to do business. He charged money to charter the boat to groups of passengers, even though he lacked the proper credentials and didn't have the vessel inspected and certified by the Coast Guard. It's 12.32. As the noon business hour continues, stocks are trading lower today. Joining us now with the latest in what's moving Wall Street is Paul Nolte, Senior Wealth Advisor and Market Strategist at Murphy & Sylvest in Chicago. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Is this entirely uh, debt ceiling uncertainty that's weighing on the markets right now? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, really, when we've talked about the debt ceiling over the last couple of weeks is that everybody's kind of focused in on it. Uh, the markets really have behaved pretty well, uh, and a lot of that is due to the tech sector. But even outside of the tech sector, we haven't seen a, a big collapse or a repricing of assets that you might expect if investors are worried that we're going to run up into uh, issues with the debt ceiling or, or not pass a bill. So the markets have been very calm about the the whole situation to this point. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, it, the, the the it looks like we're probably seventy five percent or greater of a chance of this debt ceiling deal, uh, bill making its way to President Biden's desk. I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, theatrical dissent, but uh, this seems pretty much assured of passage. And it, what's remarkable, though, like given all the apocalyptic coverage around the debt ceiling, what would happen if the U.S. could not pay? A its bills. Uh, the markets this entire time, as you mentioned, uh, seemed cooler than the other side of the pillow. Yeah, it's true. And, and we've been through this. And I think the closest we got to this situation was back in August of 2011. And that's actually when the U.S. debt got downgraded from AAA uh, to AA. And we did see the markets go down 17 percent over the course of about two, three weeks. They quickly recovered that over the, the, the ensuing couple months, 
but it was a, a harrowing experience going through it. The market's today much more calm about it. And I think, too, investors looking at it going, yeah, as you mentioned, a lot of theatrics, a lot of posturing, but ultimately uh, Congress and the president will do the right thing and, and get something through. One of the interesting trends to emerge this year is the fact that all of the growth in the S&P 500 in 2023 is driven entirely by a handful of companies. And this whole idea of maybe businesses that could be too big to fail, and given all of this, the general uncertainty about interest rates and the trajectory of the economy going forward, that uh, investors are just finding these big companies, the NVIDIAs of the world, as more or less a, a safe harbor. Yeah, and, and really there, I think it's it's all revolving around artificial intelligence. We've heard from a lot of different companies as they reported earnings over the last month or so. Anybody that mentioned artificial intelligence, they're working on it, they have something, they're, they're doing some things, you did see a, a pop in the stock price. And NVIDIA is certainly the poster child. They have very good earnings, and certainly you're looking at being in the vanguard of uh, building uh, chips and so forth for, for artificial intelligent uh, machinery. But that's really been the focus of investors. They have left pretty much the rest of the market in the dust. And, and for the most part, outside of those seven, if you exclude that from the S&P, the S&P would be down for the year. Uh, so it has been very focused on those very large companies, similar, in fact, to 1999, uh, where you got the tech sector dot com was was the thing. Uh, we're now seeing that with A.I. I'm not thinking that we're going to wind up in the same boat a year or two from now, but certainly some of those companies that are being bid up uh, are very expensive and, and we don't have that vision forward of what those earnings, those true earnings are going to be from uh, artificial intelligence. And then very quickly, Paul, uh, how are the markets reacting to the uh, JOLTS report from this morning about job openings and job movement uh, that suggests the job market's a lot stronger than originally thought? Yeah, we are hearing from a lot of the Fed governors. They're talking about raising the interest rates, keeping them high. Uh, and so the Fed has been very consistent. We're going to raise rates. We're going to keep them up there. They haven't changed their tune, and, and the markets are coming around. About a 60% chance that the Fed will raise rates in their meeting uh, in two weeks. Paul Nolte, Senior Wealth Advisor and Market Strategist at Murphy & Sylvest in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, need-to-know tips on navigating the financial waters of relationships. Cashing in with conversation, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Hey, it's Personal Finance Wednesday on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, and today we're talking about the tug-of-war between love and finances. Joining us with some key advice is Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions in Forest Park, author of the book, The Prescription for a Healthy Retirement. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. And and one kind of through line I, I seem to understand, if, if you're a financial planner, that uh, you have to have some savvy about money and investing, obviously, right out of the gate, but you're as much of a psychologist as you are a money manager. And that means making sure sure couples are on the same page when it comes to money as they head into a marriage. Mm -hmm. May I tell you a story about that? You sure can. So Greg and Heather, names changed obviously, married about a year right after college. 
and they were both making really decent income, had a couple of kids. Greg knew how to make money, but he never, 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 never learned how to manage it. Big difference, right? So he marries Heather, who grew up in a family that was watching every penny just to make ends meet. So very different backgrounds. Needless to say, there were many money disagreements, each of them longing for a way to stop arguing all the time about money. You know, the kids were going to go to high school in a few years. They were going to go to college. They hadn't started saving. The only thing that they had done was started saving in their 401ks, had no emergency savings to speak of, way too much debt. But their friends, my clients, referred them to us because they could hear the warning signs in their conversations. Their friends, my clients, also had to learn how to handle money or it may have derailed their own marriage. So we take this so seriously. We make people do personality profiles, if you will, so that we can see how to work with them and then get the money piece right. Does that make sense? Yeah, because, I mean, you, you think about uh, maybe uh, when you talk about you know, being on the same page and as far as money is concerned, maybe one of the partners in the relationship is uh, – may not be telling the truth about how much they make and might be uh, try to use smoke and mirrors to seem like a, a much bigger shot than they actually are. But it, it sounds like the, the bigger issue when it comes to getting a couple on the same page when it comes to money is maybe just the psychology they bring into the relationship. And it could be stuff that, like, like you said, it, it could be trauma from childhood uh, that they could be uh, bringing into a relationship that they have to manage. Bingo. That's exactly it. And so whenever we have get referrals from people that are about to get married, I always insist they both come to the table and we have a come to Jesus meeting about what's really going on so that they can be clear and go into the marriage completely open-minded and equipped with the truth. Huge difference. And then, you know, outside of that, I mean, you just, just making sure that you're on the same page when it comes to money and having those uh, difficult relationship conversations, because um, it sounds like it, it'll come to a head eventually, whether it's uh, right before you get married or 10 years after or 20 years after, there will be a reckoning. Yeah, well, not only that, I mean, you have two people that are very different anyway, let alone how they were raised about money. So, yeah, whether you deal with it up front or you deal with it down the road, hopefully you do deal with it. Now, when you have the when you have these conversations with clients, do you just play the uh, Billy Joel song scenes from an Italian restaurant? Because uh, Brenda and Eddie, uh, even though they were steadies in the summer of 75, they eventually ran into money troubles, too. Everybody, I right? Life occurs, and it's who you are and how you're going to deal with it. And so that's why getting to really know someone, what they believe, what they understand about money, can help resolve all that. We do it all the time. Chris, I love Ever what I do. Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions in Forest Park, author of the book, The Prescription for a Healthy Retirement. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. 
The home improvement projects that people most often covet rarely deliver bang for the buck in terms of a house's value. Let's learn more from Guy Sakala, Executive Chair Inside Mortgage Finance based in Bethesda, Maryland. Guy, thank you for joining us today. And uh, what a conversation to have, especially coming off a period of time in which a lot of people may have taken on more uh, house debt in order to uh, uh, do a home improvement project. And there really is kind of a maybe a math formula to determine whether or not that uh, remodel was actually worth it. Yes, Rob. Um, good to be here. Uh, we're in a transitional housing market. You know, a year or two, um, houses were selling like hotcakes, as you were aware. And you really didn't have to do any fix-up to sell a house. Um, people weren't even um, getting allowed to get inspections on them. So we've gone from that period to a period now where everybody's definitely out there kicking the tires. And so you've got a couple issues on the home improvements. One is whether it's going to add to the value in terms of listing the house and when you sell it right away. The other is even if you're not thinking of um, – selling your house in the near term, does it make sense to invest in a new kitchen or a new bathroom? And the quest question, the answers to both of those questions uh, vary. And it, what, what are some of the things uh, that you should be thinking about if, if you want, let's just say you have a bathroom that's very old and very outdated and things are falling apart. Um, is that clearly a good time to uh, take the plunge and actually do that uh, renovation project? Um, probably not if you're thinking of selling the property. If you, The only reason you're thinking of fixing up that bathroom is because you want to add to the curb appeal or something like that. It's probably not worth it. Given the um, cost of bathroom, you know, bathroom redo or even a, a major kitchen redo, a lot of times people do that to sell. But it's hard to, given the cost, it's hard to get it uh, back when you sell the house. And then what about uh, if you're doing this renovation and maybe you're thinking about moving in, in 10 years or 15 years, or is that too far down the road? I think it's hard, too far down the road. And at some point, you know, you buy a house to live in it and be comfortable, and you don't think of what you're doing to the value of it. You think of how comfortable it is for your family. And I think when you've got that kind of a horizon, five or 10 years, you know, if you can get by with the bathroom and nobody's complaining about it, maybe you don't do it. If everybody, you know, wants to see a nicer bathroom, I think you go ahead and do it. It's not going to hurt the value of it. It's just a question of are you going to get it back out of it? You know, if you spend $50,000 on any improvement, are you going to see that down the road? And I think it's more of a factor in determining the home price in terms of market conditions. Are there more houses on the market? Is there strong demand than any improvement you're going to make? Guy Sakala, Executive Chair Inside Mortgage Finance, based in Bethesda, Maryland. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.